You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. continue our journey in examining the events of the Battle of Khaybar and in our discussion tonight we will examine what happened after the fort of Khaybar was liberated at the hands of the commander of the faithful Ali ibn Abi Talib So Imam Ali liberates the fort of Khaybar after killing the unmatched warrior Marhab when the Jews see that Marhab has been killed and the fort has been opened, they surrendered to the Muslims. Now, how many casualties have, have been reported for this battle? When we put the sources together, we look at different historical reports, we can conclude that the Muslim casualties did not exceed 20. So about 20 Muslim companions were killed at the Battle of Khaybar. As for the Jewish casualties, the figure is around 90. Now, that is significant, but if you compare this figure to the overall population of Khaybar, the percentage is pretty small. Khaybar had a population of more than 20,000 Jews. Only their strong warriors were at least 2,000 even though they had more than 10,000 fighters. And this demonstrates to you the humanity of Islam. Even though you have this enemy that wants to put an end to you, uproot you, collaborate with the pagans to kill the Prophet, to kill Muslims, it was a major battle, but the casualties from the enemies were 90. And this shows you that the Prophet had instructed Muslims not to kill for the sake of killing. We will fight them just to make sure that they surrender and they stop threatening Muslims. That was the goal. So there was no need to go and kill. Have you read about historical wars when they liberate something? They just go and kill everyone, right? Or take everyone as prisoners of war. That's not the case. So about 90 Jews were killed at the Battle of Khaybar. Now, despite the many crimes that the Khaybaris had committed, the Prophet ﷺ showed them mercy, kindness, and leniency. They requested to stay in Khaybar. They asked the Prophet ﷺ, don't exile us, don't kill us, let us stay here. And so it has been reported that one of their representatives by the name of Ibn Abil Haqiq, he sent a proposal to the Prophet Let's make peace, we surrender. We won't fight you Muslims, we'll give up our arms. But don't kill us. Based on the law of the time, they deserve to be killed. All of them for committing treason. But the Prophet accepted the proposal. He concluded a peace treaty with the Khaybaris. When the Jews of Fedek heard about this peace treaty, they also sent a message to the Prophet ﷺ that we would like to also make a peace treaty with you. 
Later in our subsequent classes, we'll examine what happened with Fadak. So, the Prophet ﷺ basically accepted this peace treaty. Now, what did he accept to? He accepted the agreement with the Jews, the peace treaty, on the condition that they would pay half of their produce to Muslims. Khaybar was, was rich with farmlands, and so it would produce a lot of dates, a lot of fruits. The Prophet told them, I will make a peace treaty with you, but you will pay half of it to Muslims. Is this fair? Now there are some critics of Islam, some Orientalists, who say that's not fair. He went to their land, he basically just imposed on them to give up half of their produce. How is this fair? You take everything. The Prophet gave them half, right. Yes, they stayed Jewish, yes. Yes, that's correct. So, so when you examine it, by any standard, the Prophet was very fair with them. First of all, they deserve to be executed based on the laws of the land at the time. The Prophet did not execute them. Number two, they deserve to be exiled. Leave. The whole entire fort belongs to us. The Prophet let them stay. He honored their request. And charging them half of the produce was very fair because you have to pay taxes. Muslims pay taxes. They pay khums, they pay zakat, they pay kafaras, they pay all these taxes. Now the Jews of Khaybar entered the protection of the Muslim state. So now Muslims would protect that area. So you have to pay for that protection. When you enjoy the protection of Muslims, you have to pay some sort of financial compensation for that. Therefore, this was extremely fair. And remember, the Prophet allowed them to stay Jews. Stay Jewish, that's fine. You can practice your religion. Just give up your arms, stop fighting us Muslims, and give us this amount of you know, money from your produce. So they concluded the peace treaty with the Prophet Now, did their evil stop? No. Later, we shall see that their aggression continued and they tried numerous times to assassinate the Prophet. One uh, Jewish woman, she tried to poison the Prophet We'll examine that in our subsequent classes. But to show you, the Prophet gave them a chance. Even though he knows they are not to be trusted, but out of his mercy and leniency and kindness, he gave them a chance. Now, in order to make sure that they would pay half of their produce, the Prophet appointed a representative to assess how much these Khaybaris had to give. And he would collect it and bring it to Muslims. So he had to assess that, right? There was no accurate tool to assess that back then. So how do you estimate how much is being produced by this land for you to collect half of it. So the Prophet appoints a companion by the name of Abdullah ibn Rawaha. 
Abdullah ibn Rawaha was a righteous companion and later he was killed at the battle of Mu'tah. The Jews, they came to accept him and they saw him as just. Now interestingly, once after Abdullah ibn Rawaha assessed how much the half would be, according to the hadith, he told them you have to pay 20,000 wasaq. Wasaq is basically, 20,000 wasaq is about 3,000 tons. That's about 3,000 um, tons of, you know, dates, uh, food, food, crops. They objected. They said, no, that's too much. They told him, you're not being fair. You are charging us more than half. He said, okay, are you sure I'm charging you more than half? They said, yes. He says, okay, if you are so sure that I'm charging you more than half, then I am prepared to give you what I fixed, 20,000 wasak, and you give me the other half. What do you think they did? Assalamu alaikum. Did they accept or no? No, they did not accept. They refused because they knew he was being fair and probably he was undercharging them. He, they told him 20,000 wasak is more than half. So we don't accept. He says, okay, if you're sure it's more than half, you take 20,000 wasak for yourself. Whatever remains, we'll take as Muslims. They refused. They said, no, 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 we'll go with the 20,000 wasak. So they admitted, they admitted that he's just and that he was being impartial in his assessment. And then finally, when they admitted that he's just, they said the skies and the earth, al-ardu was sama are stable under the shadow of such equity and justice. They admitted the Prophet was being just by appointing this man. So, we find that the Prophet had appointed this man in order to collect half of the produce. By the way, sometimes they tried to bribe him according to some reports. They told him, look, we'll give you some more money, good money, reduce the share of Muslims, increase our share, and we'll give you the money. He refused. Because he was a believer, he was a mu'min, he completely refused their offer. But it shows you their evil just wouldn't stop, right? After all of that, you still don't believe in the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You saw how Allah granted them victory. You saw the miracles. Why don't you believe that he's a prophet? No, they were very stubborn. Extremely stubborn. They just found an excuse not to believe in the Prophet. When they were told, look, it's been proven that there's an angel communicating to the Prophet, giving him news. How did he know that he's going to be victorious? You know what they said? They said, ask what the name of the angel is. Who's this angel that he's communicating to? So they asked Muslims, they were told, Jibra'il. They said, sorry. We don't like Jibra'il. He usually destroys nations. If it was Mikail, we would have followed him. But because Jibra'il is communicating with him, we're not going to follow him. Subhanallah. Look at their stubbornness with Allah. You admit that Jibra'il is talking to him. Okay, Jibra'il is coming on behalf of who? <laughs> on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do you mean if it's Mikail, I will accept? If it's Jibra'il, I will not accept. The Quran condemns them for that. The Quran tells them if you 
are an enemy to Jibra'il, you're basically an enemy of God because Jibra'il, he acts on behalf of God. They just would find any excuse not to believe in the Prophet Yes, we've mentioned that. That initially they came waiting for the final Prophet because they wanted him to be from their own tribes. When they came to know he's from another tribe, from the children of Ismail, they rejected. Shows you they were racist too. Among the interesting findings at the Battle of Khaybar is that Muslims find some fragments of the Torah according to some reports. So reports indicate that some fragments of the Torah fell in the hands of Muslims when they claimed the war spoils, the spoils of war. The Jews learned that Muslims had some parts of the Torah. They requested from the Prophet ﷺ to have it given back to them. Please, these pieces of Torah are very holy for us. We want it back. So the Prophet commanded Muslims to hand over those fragments to the Jews. So we have this in our reports. Some scholars have disputed this. They say this is difficult for us to accept. Why? Here's their reasoning. They say that if those fragments were the distorted Torah, the Torah that the Jews had changed, then it's a book of deviation, book of Dalal. And it's not possible that the Prophet would give them back a book that's attributed to God and humans have tampered with and humans have changed. Books of deviation like that must be destroyed. You don't give it back to them so they spread it more. This is if those fragments of the Torah were distorted. And if those fragments were actual parts of the Torah, then he still shouldn't give it back to them because by giving those fragments back to them, he would empower them to have the actual Torah and they would misuse it. They were not genuine. They did not want divine guidance. They would use the actual Torah to maybe change it later, twist the words of God. So why give it to them in any case? That's why some scholars have disputed it. But honestly, based on my assessment, I don't see any fundamental problem. Because Islam recognizes a special status for the people of the book. They're allowed to stay in Muslim lands. They're allowed to practice their religion. They're, they're allowed to read their holy scriptures. Even if some aspects of it has changed, they're still allowed to read their holy book. So I don't see any issue in the Prophet ﷺ telling his companions to give them back those fragments of Torah. Okay, they're demanding it. It's their holy book. Give it to them. What's the problem? So I personally don't see any issue with it, even though a few scholars have raised some issues. Do you see any problem with it? Even if it's distorted, that's fine. Islam still gives them the freedom to practice their religion. Ahlul Kitab have a special status. And if it's the actual Torah, okay. They're practicing the Torah of Musa What's the problem? Yes, we know that their intentions were not good. Okay, there were many hypocrite companions whose intentions were not good and they would misuse the Quran. So what? I mean, that applies to anyone. So I personally don't see any problem in accepting these reports.